This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and today in our episode, we'll be talking about How do you make a decision about anything? As parents, so much stuff comes up and we have to make the call. So how do we make a wise decision on what we allow our kid to do or not? We're going to answer questions about what do we do if our kid uh, around five years old is uh, beginning to be really obsessed with like killing and fighting and stuff. Is that okay? And if not, how do we deal with that? And the last thing we're going to do today is talk about boredom and how actually it's essential for us as human beings and probably to spiritual parenting. So we're going to cover that. But first of all, we are talking about a big one. How in the world do we navigate all of the stuff the world throws at our kids? How do we choose what's right for them? And then how do we deal with it when other parents choose differently? So right now, the thing that's going around is the game Fortnite. I hear the debate all the time about that. But in a previous season, it was Harry Potter. And then it's what do we allow in church? And and I let my kid do this and someone else lets their kid do that. And what's the right answer? And, And then it's Halloween. And then it's Father Christmas. I'm not going to take one particular instance. I'm going to talk you through the sort of three-step process of, uh, of what I think this looks like biblically, because we are not the first ones to struggle with this. Uh, the early church, in, in all of the letters, well, in a lot of the letters, uh, they were we see that they were d- having all these sorts of debates about this, not about the Fortnite game. That did not exist. But it was about uh, the people who were Jews and how they wanted to be Christians uh, and still have their Jewish flavor. And then the Gentiles, who were never Jews in the first place. And then what they did with the Sabbath, because Jews were saying that the Sabbath is so important, you have to do the Sabbath. The Gentiles are like, we've never really had that before. So does it does it look different? And do we need to eat kosher? And the Jews were like, yes, you do. And the Gentiles are like, I'm not sure. And then there was this whole thing about um, idols and they would they would people just in general would give food to idols and then those that food would get sold on in the market so then there was this raging debate about what kind of meat you ate i mean people were really 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 intensely trying to figure out what was right for them and judging a lot of each other for me this is my approach and you'll see it in different ways um for instance in the halloween thing we have a whole article on how to figure out your own mind about halloween you'll see some of these values come out but i just thought i'd address it sort of straight on um so the first thing that i would suggest when something comes up like this um whether it's fortnite or oh the movie coco that was another conversation piece because it was about the day of the dead it was about afterlife and i know people on both sides who were very strong uh, the first thing i would suggest is Find out about it yourself, because I think often when we everything that we are perceiving is coming through somebody else's filter. And if I'm going to decide what's right for my kid, then it's got to come through my filter, really, because I'm the one that God put in the life of my kid. Uh, The second thing is consider what is healthy for your kid. We talk a lot in when we talk about food, we know what's healthy for our kids food wise, you know, we know calcium is important. Uh, We know that we want our kids to have a strong body, no pain, we want them to grow well, we 
make sure that we make choices that benefit them physically so that they can be healthy physically. And I find that a really useful tool for me um, when I'm making choices for my kid and when we as parents make choices because then we're asking what is spiritually healthy for our kids rather than what is the absolute right answer. I find that really, really difficult. And so when I was looking at 1 Corinthians 10, um, and he was sort of addressing this whole debate about things, and 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 he was saying, everything is permissible. This is uh, 10.23 of 1 Corinthians. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Uh, nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. And then he goes on about being convinced in your own conscience about what it is. And I, I think when I'm looking at all these things that are out there for my kid, if we think of how can I assess this objectively as a good or bad thing, that gets really, really difficult. But if we can say, what is healthy for my kid? What is beneficial spiritually for my child? When we're looking at physical health, we're looking at them having a strong body, no pain, growing well. Spiritually, we're looking at what what does my kid's heart and brain need so that they're drawn into a connection with God? How are their heart being positioned for love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? That's what I want to grow in my kid is a connection with God, a, a soft heart towards others and all those fruits of the spirit. And so when I look at something, I hold it up and I say, okay, how is this beneficial or constructive to the spiritual health of my child. And that may be different from other people's kids because my kid's brain, heart, body is different and they have a different background and God's doing different things in them. And so my job isn't to try to decide what's right for everybody. My job as a parent is to decide what's right for my kid. So whatever comes up, I just ask myself that question. I mean, I know people who said no to Harry Potter because uh, it makes their kid afraid. Uh, biblically, they feel that's just not where they are. They feel like it's evil, that they they don't want their kid to be in that. I know, on the other hand, people who've decided that they love Harry Potter for their kid. They love the gospel analogies in it. And uh, they love the conversation about good and evil and being powerful, uh, with it, trying to face down something that's bigger. And they have great conversations I know two people, two families who I deeply respect who decided totally different things for the spiritual health of their child, and both are bearing fruit in the spiritual life of their children. And then the third thing, first, decide for yourself. Two, decide what's spiritually healthy for your kid. And then three is be confident in a community of faith because we need to begin to ask, how can I support your choices in helping your kids spiritually? I was really reflecting on this because uh, my kid is uh, dairy-free. We had some stomach problems, and so we've discovered that dairy is something that is not helpful for my kid. And that is just not healthy for his body. So therefore, we've gone dairy-free. Now, I'm not trying to convince everybody in the whole world that dairy is wrong. I just know for my kid, dairy is not beneficial to his body. Maybe useful for your kid, not useful for mine. But what I love is existing in a community of people who, as soon as they hear that my kid is dairy-free, are like, oh, absolutely, they source biscuits for them. They tell me what biscuits are. Like, did you know British Oreos are dairy-free, but uh, American Oreos are not? 
who knew? Well, I was told by a different church who had my kid with them, and they really helped me uh, do that. They they helped me help my kid physically to grow healthily. And we can be that for each other spiritually. We want to create a parenting community of people who say, right, this these three kids are mine, and, and God has placed them in my life to decide what's spiritually healthy for them. And this is what I think is right for my kids. You may decide differently. And therefore, when your kid's at my house, I will obey your thing because I want the best for the spiritual health of your child. And I want the best for the spiritual health of my child. And I want to bless you and listen to you and encourage you and help you. And I'd really like you to do the same for me. So that whether it's what we allow our kids on a Sunday morning, how we engage with Halloween, we can grow to be confident parents who were saying, this is what's right for our family. This is what's right for my particular kids because I'm interested in what's developing them next. And bless you and let us know how we can help as you spiritually parent your kids and see what's right for them. So whatever decision you're facing, decide for yourself, research it, watch it, think about it, read more about it, but get in your own head how you feel about it. Two, Ask yourself, what is healthy for my kids, the unique kids that I have? What is healthy for them spiritually? And three, know it will be different from other people's decisions, and that is okay. And you can just respect and support their decision while also being confident in yours. Whatever decision you're facing, I trust you with your kids, and so does God. It's questions time. Thank you so much for emailing in your questions. Uh, We've gotten loads through Facebook and through emails. And if you want uh, to ask some of your questions and have me attempt to answer them, please get in contact, Uh, whether it's through Facebook, whether it's through email, uh, please get in contact. We'd love to hear them. Uh, So we have two questions today. Uh, Both are about sort of the younger age group, and I think it brings up an interesting wider uh, issues. So uh, let's jump right in. The first question is this. What do I do? I'm concerned about my five-year-old who's playing out and really relishing a lot of killing roles, guns, sort of superhero stuff with a dark side to it, and had told me that he wanted to kill the devil because the devil was the enemy. First of all, thank you for your question. I just want to let you know, I'm sure you can't hear, but there are lots of parents all around the country going, yeah, Uh, this is not unusual. Uh, but it's a really interesting in how we surf this wave uh, of what's going on in their life. So I have some three suggestions for this. Uh, first of all is, um, one, it's sometimes really useful to look at what our children's inputs are. Uh, it's so easy as they um, read books and hear Bible stories and watch TV uh, to not really clock how much uh, violence, killing, um more conflict, I think, comes in. I think we're really good at sort of avoiding the the blatant, you know, violent stuff. But uh, so much of the uh, goodies, baddies um, stuff actually has a lot of violence and a lot of conflict in it that can shape a narrative in our kids' brains that gets repeated over and over and over again. So when they begin to fantasy play, they reach in their bag of stories that they know. And what they pull out is the same narrative of 
of violent conflict of good versus evil and fighting and sort of killing and conquering. And that, that can be the, the most common narrative that they can pull out. And so one of the things that's really useful to do is to expand uh, what they are uh, getting input into. So whether we start pivoting towards uh, team stories that talk about problem solving, or we pivot to um, challenges and exploration stories, um, just beginning to notice what's the narrative that your kids are getting, what are the stories that we're reading, and try to pull a broader range so that when your kid is playing, they can pull out a different story, not just that conflict story. Uh, The second thing you might want to uh, do is uh, sit down and actually have that conversation with your kid to explain what concerns you. You can say, hey, wait a minute, I notice you play killing people a lot, and that makes my heart really concerned because, like, God loves every individual, even baddies, and to watch you sort of laugh and kill people makes me concerned that you don't have a heart of compassion towards people. Like... I get worried about how these baddies' families feel. Like, did they have children? (laughs) You can begin to sort of just bring up that, like, everybody's a human and it's really interesting and have your six-year-old explain to you why it's okay and just, just highlight to them that you're not sure that you like this whole playing thing, but you find it really interesting about how you're rescuing people and how uh, you're... Uh, trying to make sure that good wins. You really like that narrative, but I'm just not sure you really like how easily they're hurting other people. It just sort of makes you feel uncomfortable. And you can just have that conversation. There's loads of conversations to have around that. But just to notice and bring it up is something that's really interesting for your kid. And the third thing you might want to do is to notice that this play really is about power. It's about their ability to bring justice, to protect, to not be afraid, to rescue people, to um, to see something bad going on and intervene and make it stop and to kill it. And when you kill something, it means it can't come back. It stops forever. And, uh, and that isn't a bad narrative. It's not a bad end point. It just means that if it's focused on the violence, it's not as much as what you want them to focus on. But there are lots of things within that that you do want them to focus on. Bravery and sacrifice and courage. Um, their desire to want to kill the devil and um, has is is something that is what Jesus is doing. He is constantly destroying the works of the enemy. And, and there's something of of God in that, of wanting to destroy evil. And that's to be praised, to say, I love that you want to stop all the bad things that are happening. That is awesome. But you know what? Guns don't always stop the, um, the real evil that's going on. There's actually more powerful, more powerful tools to kill evil than guns. Do you know what it is? And you can have interesting conversations about grace and mercy and creativity and turning away wrath with, uh, with a gentle word and all of the stuff that we see in scripture to begin to do role play with them. That includes other solutions to violence besides, well, other solutions to evil besides violence, I think is a really interesting thing that you can talk about with your kid. So uh, there's no straightforward answer, but uh, you might find a next step in all of that (laughs) babbling. So thank you for your question. This week, we're doing a segment that I like to call 
books you don't have time to read. <laughs> You're a parent and you have so much stuff to do. And there are very few of us parents who actually have time to read entire books from the beginning to the end. And so what I thought I would do, because I love you, is that I would read a book from beginning to end and uh, pull some things from it that actually help us in our spiritual parenting journey and share them with you. So today, the book is called Bored and Brilliant by Manoush Zomorodi. She is a blogger and she, I think she has a podcast as well, but she wrote this book about why boredom is an essential to us as human beings. And as I read it, I began to really uh, learn a lot about uh, spiritual parenting and how boredom impacts how we spiritually parent. And I thought I'd share some of it with you today. What I have learned is being bored is deeply beneficial to parenting for faith. Now, some of us are thinking, I never have time to be bored because I have a job and I'm juggling multiple children and I just want to curl in a ball for a little bit and read a book or binge watch something and I just never have time to be bored. Bored sounds amazing. Uh, for others of us, uh, we may just feel like our entire days are a series of boring things to do and it doesn't really matter where you are on that spectrum. We're going to talk about the importance of it and how to find it and, and how that impacts it. So for me, there's a lot of really good stuff in the book. I was really, uh, I really enjoyed it. And there was a lot of good research and good stories. And if this is something you want to delve into, it's something personally I enjoyed reading. And I think you would too. But I wanted to pull two things out of it primarily for us who were thinking about spiritual parenting and how that impacts us. The first thing I found interesting was what she was saying about our brains. Uh, she was saying that boredom switches us, as people, into default mode. Uh, it switches us into a different brain functioning thing uh, in which our brain shifts into problem-solving mode. It begins to make sense of the world and our conversations. Uh, it begins to work out how to understand and empathize, uh, and it switches into the, the mode where we begin to think about moral judgments. It basically, you know, we talk about this thing called brain space. I just need some brain space to process. And, and boredom is... When your body gets bored, when your brain gets bored, it switches into a different mode of functioning in which we can begin to process life and things we're not sure about and our morality and and key to empathy, really, being able to think through another person's situation. And I think so often as parents, we don't have that brain space and we can feel that stress of it. And so we either don't have the brain space and feel like everything just piles up and piles up and piles up. So we finally get to a Parenting for Faith course. We finally get to have time with someone to talk about it. And we sort of feel like we're not quite sure where our kids are spiritually or what's going on because we just haven't had the space to think. And uh, I know some of us try to set aside deliberate time to do that, but what the research says is actually you need boring time, time where your brain shuts off almost, rather than time for your brain to accomplish a task. And I, I found that really powerful, particularly if it's the key to understanding and empathizing. If If we want to spiritually parent our kids, there's something really important about connection and about understanding our children, and about having space to think 
about where they are spiritually. Parenting for Faith is all about thinking, what is the next step for my kids spiritually and how can I help them take it? And we need the bits of boredom to let our brain switch into that different mode and process where our kids are emotionally, what they're going through uh, spiritually, what things we've been picking up, where they are right now spiritually, and what what we think might be next for them. We need that time of boredom to proactively spiritually parent our kids. Otherwise, we get stuck in that reactive mode of just, it pops up, we deal with it. It pops up, we deal with it. We never get a chance to think, what am I developing in my kid? What is God doing? And how can I help them take the next step? And so we need that boredom. So how do we find that boredom? <laughs> and I, I've been reflecting just on my life and looking at the parents around us. And I think we have more opportunities to be bored, truly bored, than we think. Because I notice that what I do is I fill the boring bits of my day with stuff. So if I'm doing dishes, then I'm also listening to music that I like. So I'm busy just, you know, singing at the top of my lungs to The Greatest Showman. Or I uh, I fill it with a podcast when I'm driving. Or uh, if I have some space where I'm like, oh, I finally have some downtime, then I'm going to, you know, watch my latest show. Or if I'm watching my kids swim, then I'm also doing the list for um, a new event that I want to do and trying to work out, you know, all the different people I want to come speak at it and stuff. I'm, there's any bit of downtime I'm using. And I found it a real challenge to not use the bits of time that I always cram with stuff. And as I, as I read the book and thought, okay, I'll try it. I found it really impacting because uh, instead of getting 20 minutes of stuff done while I'm watching my kids swim, I just let my brain sort of drift, just sort of, I didn't bring anything in my hands because I thought I'm, I'm inevitably going to do something. And so I just sort of stared off into space and, and let my brain wander. And I began to think of all sorts of things. I began to figure out how I felt about things. And I thought about uh, a particular part of struggles that my kid was having and, and what I want to do next about it. And then I just thought through a conversation I had with my husband and I need to apologize for that. And I, I, all of a sudden, all of the stuff began to come out that I began to decide about and ponder about and understand more about. And I found it incredibly valuable. And I began to really look forward to it. It was like my once a week, 20 minutes to stare off <laughs> into space. And I, I began to really delight and enjoy and not doing anything and letting my brain process. I think there are so many times that we have that in our lives where we could just stare at a wall and let our brain process to just let it be quiet for a couple of moments instead of turning on the music in the car or when we're walking home from a school drop-off to to not fill it with music. There are so many moments that if we just allow ourselves space We'll have the space to ask the question, what's the next step for my child spiritually? And how can I help them take it and just let life process in our brains? The other thing I found really interesting is uh, this, this understanding about how connection happens. Care for the Family did a study that we've talked about before, I know, about how important connection is, that emotional two-way 
um, affection and walking closely together with our kids heart to heart, how important that connection is to spiritual parenting, to uh, enabling one person to talk about deep spiritual things and the other one to listen both ways is really important in spiritual parenting. And uh, and this boredom thing really gives a, a new interesting angle to how we build connection with our kids. Uh, it highlighted a 2014 study that Virginia Tech did that uh, on the quality of conversations when a phone is present. And I found this really interesting because it, the phone thing came out of uh, out of uh, many chapters in the book about how having a phone present sort of distracts us personally from ever being bored. Um, there's They were talking about doing tasks. And if your phone buzzes, they averaged that every time you hear a ping, it takes you 23 minutes, ooh, 23 minutes and 54 seconds, I think, before you returned to the task. And I thought, well, that feels like my life actually this sort so the the book was talking about how much your phone distracts you and, and steals that sort of really good boredom brain space brain default time from you uh, but it also brought up this really interesting thing about the quality of conversation when a phone is present and so the study basically wanted to look at if a phone is in the room within eye shot does it affect the quality of conversations? And so they ran an experiment where they had people of different varying relationships, people who knew each other, people who didn't know each other, to have a conversation with a phone in the room where someone could see it and with a phone not in the room. And they just measured the depth of conversation, the quality of the conversation. And you may be surprised, I was surprised, to find that... Um, that the quality of conversation, if a phone was not present, was vastly better than if a phone wasn't present. So much so that people who who just met for the first time had better conversations with no phone than people who knew each other for a long time with a phone in eyesight. I was I was shocked at that because I was always thought thinking that I was valuing. Um, my kid and creating space for spiritual parenting by, you know, turning my phone upside down. <laughs> like, look how much I value you. I'll put it upside down. And actually, when you put the phone anywhere within eyesight, it, te it tells the people in the conversation that at any moment we could be interrupted. At any moment, I could get stolen away from this conversation. And it means you talk about deep things less, you invest in the length of the of the conversation less, you have different expectations of the conversation, what you're willing to say. And I found that really powerful because when we talk about parenting for faith, so much of it is is a process of allowing our children to see what's going on inside of us and talking about the stuff that just pops up out of their bored brains and our bored brains. And if a phone being present changes the expectation of the depth of conversation and the length of conversation, then me just having a phone present can sometimes rob the opportunities for them to see what's going on in my life, for me to talk about what's going on in my life, and for my child to ask questions and muse out loud about what's going on with them. The author, uh, Manoush Zomorodi, uh, said that conversation is about a process of unfolding, of, of 
slowly with awkward starts and stops and stares out the window. Like picture a a road trip or when you're driving for a long time. You're quiet sometimes and then somebody says something and then the most interesting things come out because you're just both allowing your brain to happen and then you unfold to each other. And Parenting for Faith is so much about letting our children see the spiritual aspect of us as we unfold it to them and as they unfold to us that the quality of conversation is really, really important to create that bored space for our brains together to bubble up and for us to proactively spiritually unfold to each other, share what's going on with us, ponder out loud about a Bible story we read or something that's going on in your life that you're not quite sure about or something you saw, a fire engine going down the road and you were just thinking about that time. Do you remember that time when this happened in our family and I just was thinking about how good God was to save us from that. Just the stuff that bubbles out of us is so valuable to our children. Uh, we call it creating windows uh, and and framing. If you want to know more about that, you can you can go to the website and just click on creating windows, and I'll tell you more about that. But this this proactive opening up to each other so that our kids can see what life with God looks like in the everyday can be so benefited by not having a phone in the room. So those are the two things. Those are the two things that I found really, really powerful in the book, Bored and Brilliant, were these two little insights for me in my journey of parenting for faith of of things to do. So one, I gave myself more boredom time, which has really helped me think through some significant stuff uh, in how I want to to spiritually parent my kid, but also um, taking the phone away from a room (laughs) (laughs) That's been so useful. We've had really good conversations and much better time of being bored together and laughing and talking and letting those jewels bubble up as we unfold together and as I create windows into my life. So have a go this week. For this week's questions to head on home with, uh, I have another two. I'm liking this two thing. I might end up giving you two every time just for fun. Uh, The first question, if you're wanting to build your connection or sort of test out the waters of how it's going with you and your kid, you might want to ask this question. Is there anything you feel I'm being unfair about and why? I always find that question really interesting when talking with kids because it it gives them an opening to tell you what they think of the boundaries in a way that sounds like you're you're looking to understand what they're coming from. You can find out some interesting stuff there about it. And then when they tell you, I would suggest, not only do you value it and listen, uh, but share your story of your childhood of a time where you felt your parent was being unfair about the restrictions. Uh, I remember my mom used to never let me watch Simpsons because she didn't like how the children were rude to their parents. I remember thinking like, oh my goodness, I know that I I won't be rude like them. (laughs) But actually, like looking back, I think it was probably very wise. But I remember feeling like how deeply unfair that was. And I'm sure you have those stories too. So you might want to share that. Or you can ask this question if you want to have general God questions. Why doesn't God make all our decisions for us? Have a good conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.